baby boomer and confessed to a life made easier by the men and women who endured the Great Depression, went to war, and learned to do without luxuries for the great cause of freedom. That heroic generation was determined to give their children the advantages that life had denied them. I can never be grateful enough, but here's the start. I call this story Leroy Street, The Soda Shop, and Six Guns a Blazing. About 1950, Dad bought a small house at 116 Gregg Street. The house had a living room, a kitchen, two bedrooms, a small hall, and a bathroom. Dad was a pretty skilled carpenter, and mostly on his own, added a den to the house. I was five when he added the den, and helped him by bending nails while trying to drive them into scrap wood. He was particularly proud of the knotty pine-paneled walls in his new den. He was proud of me, too, but not for my carpentry. In the backyard, Dad built a rough wooden shed, which was quickly dubbed the Little House. Dad had taken shop class in high school and had a lifelong love of working with wood. He turned the Little House into a shop where he would refinish and sometimes build furniture. The rich smell of fresh sawn wood and varnish filled the inside of the building. His Marine Corps uniform with gunnery sergeant stripes and his third division patch hung on the back wall of the little house. Over the years, it became a dirt dauber apartment complex and had to be thrown away. I wish he would have kept the entire uniform, but I have saved his globe and anchor cap badge, his third Marine division patch, and his K-Bar Marine fighting knife. Bob Hill was and ever would be a Marine. He was of that generation that was marked by a hyper-developed sense of responsibility. He and his peers were determined to make their world safe and secure for their families. Dad had planned to go to college to study law, but the money didn't come along, and for better or worse, I did. Despite working several jobs, money was tight. Once, when Mom had to go to the hospital, he worried aloud, where will I get the money to pay the bill? Mother, still groggy from anesthesia, said, Bob, look in my pocketbook. Dad was sure she was delirious. Nevertheless, when he opened Mom's pocketbook, there, tucked away neatly in a corner, was $100 in five and one dollar bills. My mother, frugal all her life, had saved a little from her grocery money for months. With only a high school diploma, Dad tried everything he could to make enough money to keep his family comfortable. He found work at Kimball's Furniture Store delivering sofas and refrigerators. He also worked part-time for the post office, picking up mail from mailboxes around town. When a chance to run a small business called the Soda Shop came along, Dad jumped on board. The name Soda Shop is misleading. The Soda Shop was tucked away in a small strip of stores located at the corner of White Street and the Charlotte Highway. The little group of stores also housed a small grocery, a homey little restaurant, a gas station, and a barber shop. The soda shop was tucked into a narrow storefront between the old-fashioned grocery store and the barber shop. While the name implies an ice cream shop, there was nothing so frivolous about it. It was like a dark hallway and sold what used to be called sundries. Lots of little unrelated items from magazines to BC powders. Most customers were textile workers from the nearby Fort Mill plant who, when their shift ended at four o'clock, would come by for cigarettes and nabs and a soft drink. 
I remember being small enough to sit on the counter and watch them as they took a sip from their six ounce Coke and poured peanuts into it. It was a favorite drink at the time. Mother worked at the telephone company and I often spent days at the shop. It did not take long for my industrious father to realize that the soda shop would break him before he even broke even. He found someone who would take over the rent, toss the keys on the counter, and never looked back. Luckily, just as he was getting fed up with the soda shop, he met a representative from State Farm Insurance, which was just beginning to open offices in South Carolina. Dad signed on and began a lifetime career. I have been told numerous times that he knocked on every door in Fort Mill and Indian Land to build his agency. I cannot explain what drove the man to do it, but once my father decided to barbecue a goat. Notice that we don't cook cow, we cook beef. We don't cook pig, we cook pork. And we don't even cook deer, we cook venison. Nobody ever created a more genteel name for goat, and I think that is with good reason. Why not a pig, I asked him when I was older. He didn't have a good reason. Goat just seemed a good idea at the time. Dad's friend from high school, Frank Epps, managed the Spratland, which adjoined the Catawba River, and there was an island that served as a home for a small herd of goats. Dad and Frank, I am told, went out and selected a suitable young goat and got a local butcher to prepare the meat. The lot behind the little house was empty, and Dad chose it as his venue. He dug a pit for the great goat roast and then constructed a metal spit over it. All his life, Bob Hill loved to entertain friends. Dad's job was fixing drinks and telling stories. Everything else fell to my exasperated mother who always managed to pull together food and have the house ready. If I have any patience, I inherited it from her. There was strong drink involved in both the planning and cooking of the goat. Friends gathered in the afternoon and got the fire going. The meat was put on and the cooking started. By dinner time, the stand around the fire committee agreed that the goat was done and the meat was ready. It looked like cooked meat should look. The first brave souls to taste the meat agreed that my mother's barbecue sauce had a good taste, but the meat was chewy, very chewy. So chewy that it would seem to get bigger and bigger. Not a morsel ever broke down enough to be swallowed. For a moment, these testers tried to be diplomatic. Only for a moment, and then the abuse started. The goat was, without question, completely inedible, and Dad's witty friends were merciless. Thankfully, Mom and Irene Davis, both great cooks, had created enough side dishes to feed the guests. Another glass or two of Dad's favorite old charter bourbon took the sting out of the gastronomic failure, but over the years, the event took on the status of myth, and Dad always winced when one of his friends would bleat like a goat. Dad grew up during the Great Depression, and his heroes were the big screen cowboys. He and his friends in Union, South Carolina, armed themselves with dime store six guns and rode the backyard range on horses made of broomsticks and imagination. They created Silver City, their own western town from anything they could scrounge around the neighborhood. Bob was the sheriff. What else? Dad's father once carved a wooden six-shooter for him. It was a prize, and he mentioned it often. I never had to use a wooden pistol. 
We have photos of me in three completely different cowboy outfits, accessorized with 10-gallon hats, elaborate holsters, and chrome-plated cap pistols. On one trip to summer camp with the National Guard, he brought back a set of have-gun wheel-travel pistols with a chest night holster, interchangeable plastic ebony and ivory grips, and loadable cap bullets. Like his generation, Dad worked long, hard hours to give his family the things he never had. Throughout his life, he never lost the boyhood delight he had watching his Western heroes. His great joy was to visit the places cowboys roamed and return with tales of Tombstone, Arizona or Monument Valley. I could just see the gamblers in the saloons and picture the smoke signals rising from the walls of lonely canyons, he would say. At 90 years of age, when unable to care for himself and living at Westminster Care Facility, he would get testy if a guest stayed too long and threatened to keep him from watching Gunsmoke or the Virginian. All his life, my father's heart was in the West and his soul rode the range chasing outlaws with Buck Jones and Tom Mix. I suspect it still does.